Um, and this meeting is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be the first organising meeting um, of our campaign group where we focus on action and what we want to do and start planning that and things. So those of you who are here for this meeting, um, you're going to play a really important role and thank you so much for coming. Um, so um, with something like this, um, we're going to always have uh, some speakers, it looks like, because um, every time we think that we've like um, rounded up the, the total of the cuts that have happened, um, more cuts occur between when we meet and when we meet again. So we're going to have um, some updates uh, for everyone from uh, representatives of three organisations um, who can just talk about their experience as uh, workers in an industry that's been cut um, and update you on what's happened in their particular jobs since, um, since our last meeting. After that, we'll have a short time for discussion and questions around that and then we'll move straight on to action and planning action and what we're going to do and that type of thing. Um, just like to announce before we um, get into any speakers, um, Corey's here from Triple Z. Um, Corey would like to record the speakers for, um, you know, for radio interview and other purposes. Um, but um, we're going to get Corey to not film, not um, record the discussion, so people can speak freely, I guess. Um, and um, on that note, if anyone else is recording, identify um, that you're doing so, so that we can get you to um, just stop recording for the discussion time. Um, so, is, does anyone have any objections to Corey film um, recording the speakers? Um, giving updates about um, their organisations or funding cuts. Awesome. Okay, so um, first uh, person that we're going to hear from um, is Nikki from the Young Workers Advisory Service. Um, she's going to. Oh, can we hear from Carrie Ann? Sure. Yes, we absolutely <laughs> that's can. Right. Yeah. Okay. First speaker is um, is Carrie Ann Deer from the Queensland Working Women's Service. Um, who's going to update us on some cuts that have happened to them, um, and then we'll hear from Nikki, and then after that we'll hear from Beck. Um, do you want me just to stay seated? Can everyone hear? Yeah. You'll be better if you have a I'll stand on. Okay, no worries. Um, so, hi everyone, and um, I'm speaking on behalf of my organisation, which is Queensland Working Women's Service. Uh, we were asked to come along and speak tonight. I was here a couple of weeks ago, and I think um, we got a mention you know, from a couple of the speakers then that our service had been defunded. Um, at that point we weren't asked to speak and I guess we probably really didn't know the extent of it even two weeks ago as to how um, massive these cuts have been and what an impact there is now um, on the community sector. We've seen more press and publicity about what's happening in the public sector but the community sector has been absolutely decimated and I think that's probably why we're all here tonight to talk about that. Um, just briefly because I know we all have um, you know, some pretty, really, I guess it's tragic stories about what's happening in our own organisations, what's happening for our communities. Our Working Women's Service has operated for 18, going on 19 years. Um, we were a federal govern, government initiative supported by the unions that recognised that women were disadvantaged when it came to bargaining in the workplace um, and that they also were disproportionately um, award reliant but in typically in non-unionised um, industries and that um, you know, they were more likely to experience general disadvantage. So over 18 years we've evolved from a you know, statewide service. I think we had 15 workers all around the state you know, working in their communities, talking to women about their rights and supporting and advocating um, with and for them um, until you know, really our last e latest evolution, which is based in Brisbane, running a statewide service mostly over the telephone, 
still doing the advocacy, but you know, um, in the commissions, in the anti-discrimination commission, in the industrial relations commission, um, and um, you know, supporting women that way. We had about three thousand requests for assistance each year from women, um, and we probably represent um, just did the stats about 150, 160 like all the way through, and then the rest. Um, you know, we're very much of the of the ethos that. Um, we resource and support women with information first, um, support them through self-advocacy processes and then um, you know, help to you know, enable their own um, fight for their own working conditions. Um, so we were told on the 22nd of June that um, our contracts which had run with the state government for over 18 years uh, wouldn't be renewed. So there was no consultation. Um, there was really effectively no notice. It was just a, a cut. We, we obviously had felt that with the change of government we were vulnerable um, to perhaps having our funding reduced, uh, but we really didn't probably expect the worst case scenario, though now we obviously should have, um, that we'd be completely disregarded. So we also auspiced and have done for 10 years a service for young people doing similar things, but a lot more of a community education focus. So going out uh, to schools and youth services and wherever the, you know wherever young people gather in the community and we uh, get invited. Nikki's going to talk about um, the work of the young workers, but on the financial side of things, um, the funding came through the Working Women's Service. So with the stroke of a pen, uh, we lost just under eight hundred thousand uh, dollars, which effectively left us with a very small offer of a contract from the federal government, which was to deliver the same work that the federal and state funding provided uh, for 270000 So we had 11 staff. Um, we're still hanging on, struggling with nine. Um, some of our casuals have moved on. Some people are saying, well, you know, I want to work less hours. I'll do this, I'll do that. So we're in that argy-bargy stage of going, how are we going to stay open? Uh, many of you, I think, because we've got 1,050 signatures on a petition that's gone around, um, have signed that for us, and that's great. And we've, we had a phone call from the Federal Workplace Relations Minister's office this morning that said that they are committed to helping us stay open, but they haven't committed to any amount of funding, so we don't know what that's going to be. Um, on the other side of what we do is, I mean, obviously, we're not an alternative to a union, but we do hear from non-unionised women um, who either aren't aware of a union, haven't bothered to join, or um, perhaps just, you know, yeah, we, we, you know, for whatever reason they're not a union member. Um, the majority of our clients come from community, um, the community and health sector, so we're hearing a lot about what's happened <coughs> in their organisations too. We, we had a lot of contact with these women during the pay equity increases. A lot of organisations were restructuring um, to afford the pay equity increases when the dollars given to them by the state government didn't quite stretch. Now there's this double hit of having small buckets of money withdrawn, maybe they were getting skill in Queensland money or they were getting Queensland health money or communities money. Now organisations are squeezing their staff. So um, those, for those staff who aren't in the union, it's even more difficult, they've got less power. Often they don't have really any rights, they're often casual and very commonly in the community sector has been the use of um, fixed term contracts. So when those contract staff are getting to the end of their contracts, their contracts are not being renewed either. And they have nothing, no redundancy to fall back on. Um, and part-time staff like our staff are, are, are being asked or volunteering, what can we do? They're facing um, reduction in their hours or, or the loss of their employment. 
looking around the sector, realising that um, there's a, 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 major, a, a major job squeeze on and that options that might have been available in the public sector once aren't there. So, um, happy to answer any questions at the end, but um, I'll let, I'll ask Nikki to talk about the impact on the Young Workers Service and what might be done for young people. <coughs> um, just before we hand over to Nikki, just for the people who have come in in the last few minutes, so um, thank you for coming. This is the uh, second meeting of Queensland Uncut with an organising meeting kind of focus. Um, but the way uh, we're going to structure the meeting is we're going to have some updates from organisations that have lost their funding uh, very recently and then we're going to move on to talking about action. So, uh, yeah, I'll uh, now hand over to you. I hope you can hear me over the singing. Um, so, um, as, as Kerry had mentioned, I'm from the Young Workers Advisory Service and we, we call it WIWAS because that's a bit of a mouthful so I'll probably just use that acronym if it's alright with everyone. Um, yeah, we've been funded by the, the state government and have been operating for about 10 years. Um, we were just about to plan this really big birthday party to celebrate um, the achievement and the 10 years that the service has been operating and we got the lovely gift from the government that all funding has been withdrawn um, so the service can't operate and has closed. Um, sorry, as of last week, it's shut down. Last week? Yeah. Um, so what, what WIWAS um, gave was a service very similar to the Queensland Working Women's Service, but um, in providing information and advice and representation to young workers, um, so anyone 25 years or under, um, and solely on employment or industrial relations matters. Um, it was a free service and it was confidential and available to any young person in Queensland that didn't already belong to a trade union. Um, it was a telephone advisory line so young people could ring up and get advice if they were having any issues at work um, and where they were eligible to lodge a complaint or an application before one of the industrial tribunals um, if they had a good case that had merit we would advocate for them at those tribunals. Um, most commonly the issues that came before WIWAS uh, concerned young people seeking information about their wages and entitlements, about unfair dismissal rights, discrimination, workplace bullying and sexual harassment. Um, in the last financial year we assisted about 1,800 young people, um, 400 of those were in relation to unfair dismissal and more than 160 on sexual harassment and discrimination. Um, and the statistics that we collect let us know that these are persistent issues, they, the data pretty much doesn't change every year, um, it, it continues on. Um, another function Kerri-Ann mentioned was the school talks, so Wireless would go out to different schools in the community and um, give uh, um, a presentation about, what, right, about the law, workplace laws and um, your rights and obligations in the workplace and we do about 35 of those talks every year. Um, we've had to, we had to cancel a lot of the, the talks we had booked in for the rest of the year um, and yeah, because the service isn't operating. Um, it's, it's been a really important service because there is, it's, it's a safety net service that there is nowhere else if you're not a union member that you can contact if you have these issues in the workplace. Um, QS is now making their service, um, Queensland Working Women is making their service <coughs> available to young women, um, but it still means that young men don't have access to any service. Um, last year we assisted about 428 young men, um, and so now there's just nowhere for them to, to access information about their workplace rights. Um, so yeah, there's a, a great need for the service, it's gone, 
the impact on the, the staff is, of course, like restructures, redundancies. Um, so it's pretty miserable. Um, yeah, and like Kerri-Ann said, we've got some um, petitions through change.org um, to try and campaign for more funding from elsewhere, from the federal government, but that's pretty much where we're at. Two motions that our committee passed today, um, and I guess I can probably say Young Workers um, is now going or having some discussions uh, with the Queensland Council of Unions about how that might interface now with the work the union's doing. And obviously, there's no funding to deliver a service, but we're looking at a pool of um, people we've already indicated they're really keen to volunteer to keep those advice sessions coming to really um, educate um, young people about what's happening in the sector and you know the benefits of union membership. And, um, and hopefully young workers will actually still remain as some kind of entity um, with the support of the Council of Unions. I can't say what it's actually going to look like, but we've had some really good discussions about um, how that might actually work together and stay alive. And the other thing our committee said today was um, that they are very, very committed to being part, while well, we're doing our own individual advocacy for our service, they're very committed to being part of a collective action and happy to offer whatever resources we have through our website um, and through our contacts to be to be a hub or part of that, you know, hub and spokes kind of model, whatever we're going to adapt for, for um, moving forward. Okay, so we've got a third uh, speaker. Um, Beck works at the uh, Caravan and Manufactured Homes Residents Association. This is one of the organisations that have lost funding as a result of the um, tenants' advisory uh, cuts. So uh, take it away, Beck, to tell us about that. Um, <clears throat> hi, everyone. First of all, I wanted to clarify I'm not speaking um, on behalf of my organisation, but as someone who's been involved in... Sorry, guys, those are the... Okay. Those are the um, <laughs> we've got to get the sound coming. Sure. Sorry. Um, just do like one of these if I'm if I go quiet. Um, so I'm not speaking on behalf of my organisation, but as someone who's been involved in Queensland Uncut, and um, and then obviously since the last meeting, found out that I've uh, directly impacted by the cuts to the community sector. So um, the TAS network of tenant advice and advocacy services found out. Um, I think it was last Tuesday. Um, we all received the fact to say that we had had our funding cut and it wasn't just one organisation, it was actually the whole network, so representing about 28 offices around the state or about um, 90 workers, every service basically from North Queensland down to the Gold Coast, um, have had their funding summarily cut and so that will not only impact <coughs> tenant advisory services but there's also a lot of small community house type um, organisations like West End Community House who rely for the like on the TAS funding for the bulk of their funding. So those kind of community outreach services are also likely to close. Um, and most of us will be looking at closing because um, there's very little in the way of alternative funding that we can access. The whole point of the, the tenant advice and advocacy service is that it was funded uh, from tenants, uh, the interest on tenants bond monies, which is held by the RTA. The TAS network received about 10% of um, the interest from the bond monies and employed about 90 workers throughout the state. Um, now the government has said basically that the RTA will be able to pick up where the, the task that work leaves off and um, provide the same services that we provide, which is absolute rubbish. We, um, we provide individual specialised um, tenant advice and advocacy for individual people who come to us. Our organisation... No, well, they, the RTA is basically a call centre and they can provide advice over the phone, but they can't advocate for you. They don't have 
relationships with landlords or with park owners and often they don't really know much about the industry. So the organisation that I work for, we work specifically with people in caravans um, and manufactured home parks. So it's a very um, specialised kind of area of law. A lot of the other TAS networks don't even really want to kind of, uh, sorry, offices don't really want to do caravan stuff because it's quite a specialised area of law. And then there's manufactured homes, homeowners, which is actually a separate piece of legislation the RTA does not administer. So they actually won't have any form of advice or any kind of place to be referred to. Um, And it's actually a lot of people. So, you know, about 27,000 people in the state of Queensland live in caravan parks. Um, and about 33% of people in the state of Queensland are renters. So um, there's a large percentage of the population who will be impacted by the loss of this service. Um, And it's also going to have implications, you know, broader implications on the housing market and on people's ability to, to maintain their present accommodation because that's basically the point of of our program is that you know we assist people to maintain their accommodation in the private rental market so they don't end up in the social housing system Um, and unfortunately particularly a lot of the clients that I work with are age pensioners disability pensioners people with a lot of different (coughs) types of disadvantage who would really struggle to be able to afford to rent in the private rental market who have found you know living in a caravan park or living in a manufactured home as like a a kind of affordable accommodation option, you know, if they lose that accommodation, then they will pretty much end up in public housing. Um, So that's um, a bit about our service and a bit about the kind of flow and impact for the community. Um, But also, you know, obviously it's a very politicised attack as well. Um, The response that we've had from meetings we've had with, um, like, people's local LNP members has been pretty much like, meh, tenants should be able to advocate for themselves even if they can't you know have poor literacy and can't read their their breach notice or whatever you know they should take responsibility they should take that notice to their neighbor and have it read to them that's what one um <laughs> one task service was told by their local member so um yeah <laughs> sure thing and you know i mean of course you know there's the whole, you know, applying to the tribunal if you're getting evicted and things like that. No one will be there to represent people in the tribunal. It's a really intimidating process. Most people don't spend every day of the week going to the Queensland Civil Administrative Tribunal, but real estate agents do. And there's a real definite power imbalance there um, that won't be addressed by, you know, just shifting whatever funding or, or you know, leaving the RTA there to do that role. Um, but also, you know, our organisation is a, a member. We have a membership and we, uh, you know, have a management committee and we have links into the community. And it's really attack on those kind of organisations. You know, the RTA is not uh, like a grassroots community organisation. It doesn't have a relationship really with with tenants and, um, you know, those are the kind of organisations that are being cut, so. Thanks, Beck. Um, So we've had uh, even more people come in while uh, Beck...